Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryce and Carver, back with our regular scheduled programming. Obviously, came on the show, lather did a show last night, uh, the NBA tip-off show, made my in-season predictions for the regular season and award winners and playoffs, uh, who wins the championship this year. So, But we've got an absolutely loaded show. we got NBA, two NBA topics to start, uh, 49ers, Vikings. Again, everybody, everybody's jumping off the Brock Purdy train but me, listen, she's still sturdy purdy. Okay, I'm staying on the train. I, I jumped on the train at the very beginning. I'm not leaving now. I'll discuss that later on today's show. Also, why I feel great, beyond great, about my Golden State Warriors, despite the loss last night to the Phoenix Suns. I'll get into that. Also, Bryson's best 10. Very excited. Uh, this week eight edition. A lot of shakeup. Okay, this could be the third straight week that we've had a new number one because the Lions were my number one last week. Niners were number one the year, the week before that. So a lot of turnover in Bryce's best ten. It's it's a very it's it's a week to week list, but I also take your overall body of work into account when I make these lists. Uh, some teams getting back into Bryce's best ten uh, for the first time in a while. Definitely want to stay tuned for that. And at the end of today's show, I'll give my predictions for tonight's match or tomorrow night's matchup rather between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills to kick off Week Eight of the NFL season. By the way, before I get into anything, uh, I just want to say this. So I had a take two weeks ago, well, one week ago, where I said that the Philadelphia Phillies had a 100% chance to win the World Series. Didn't age too well <laughs> at all. <laughs> Congratulations, though, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, pulled off a, some type of spectacular run, coming back from 3-2, winning both games on the road, just like the team they're about to face the World Series. The Texas Rangers uh, did against Houston, the defending champion, Houston Astros. So the last two World Series teams go down, losing two home games uh, in game six and seven, which is wild. But we've got a great World Series. I'll predict that on tomorrow's show, the World Series, which begins to, uh, on, on Friday's show. I should say I'll predict it on Friday. The World Series begins on Friday. But congratulations to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And listen, as I always say, a loss for Philadelphia or Cleveland, but in this case, Philadelphia. loss for Philadelphia is a win for America. So thank you very much, Arizona Diamondbacks. So here we go. Let's transition to the NBA. But first, the first game of the NBA season featured the Los Angeles Lakers. Retooled their roster a little bit. Brought back their important key pieces from a year ago. Guys, they acquired the trade deadline. Guys who've been there a while, like LeBron AD. And they took on the defending NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. I did pick Denver to win this game. No shock uh, that they were able to, to come out with the W here. And Denver played well. Nikola Jokic, by the way, final score of that game. Uh, Denver won uh, 119 to 107. Jokic put up a typical Jokic stat line. I mean, this is, he, he is... I would put him about two notches above Tim Duncan in terms of Tim Duncan was so great, but was never had a flashy game whatsoever, and that's putting it mildly. But he was so great on the offensive end, the defensive end, rebounding the whole bit, did all the little things well. Jokic is more entertaining to watch than Duncan, but it's just like even his his mindset, his mentality, there's the quote, remember after they won the finals four months ago, and he said, uh, it feels good, so now we can go home. Like he 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 treats basketball, or at least he appears he treats basketball as like a I show up with my lunch pail, go to work, do what I do, and I go home and with my family and my horses or whatever's at his home in Denver, Colorado. But Jokic played outstanding as typical Jokic line, 29, 13, and 11. Again, that's 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 just what he does. Very efficient uh shooting from the field and from three-point range. Jamal Murray chipped in with 21. Catavius Caldwell Pope, eight for twelve for the field with 20 points. So great offensive output by Denver. That felt to me for the Nuggets, and then I'll transition to the Lakers and AD in particular, that felt like to me for the Denver Nuggets, that was like game six of the NBA Finals. And what, what, what do I mean by that? So they won the championship in game five, 
Had they, they looked like they played two, three days after the game. Let's just say for the sake of argument, Denver lost that game to Miami and there was a game six. They just it, it was like they played two days later. I mean, it was like didn't have a bit of rust, didn't have a bit of no, just step right in, look exactly like the Denver Nuggets that we saw all last year and all throughout the playoffs. So uh this team is has is rightfully the favorite in the Western Conference. Uh, Jokic is today the best player in basketball. I do still believe, as I said on yesterday's prediction show, that Jamal Murray is going to be an all-star for the first time of his career this season. They've got depth. They're well coached. I said Mike Malone. Well, Michael Malone would be my coach of the year. Jokic would be my MVP. Uh, so I don't think anybody, even Lakers fans, were in the slightest bit shocked of what we saw from for the Denver Nuggets last night. And they're... You know, knock on what everybody stays healthy. That's going to be a team that's going to be right in the mix, and they have a very compelling case with the Celtics and the Bucks to be the best team in basketball. But as we know, and Mike, Michael Malone may be irritated by this, but that's how it is when the, uh, you, you know, when the if the Los Angeles Rams were to beat the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, more people are going to talk about the Cowboys and the Rams, but the Cowboy because the Cowboys are a massive brand, as are the Los Angeles Lakers. And listen, uh, it, it is I argued all off season that LeBron was the Lakers' best player. Some of that is because he kind of has to be, given the inconsistency from Anthony Davis. More on that in just a moment. But LeBron, I thought, played pretty well uh, uh, last night. Went for 21, uh, 8 and 5. Had a plus minus, a plus 7. Uh, you know, only Laker in the starting lineup along with D'Angelo Russell, who I didn't think played particularly well at all. Lakers should not have brought him back. Should have brought Schroeder back. Neither here nor there. LeBron played well. Again, attack the basket a lot. Uh, very similar to how he did at times in the Western Conference Finals. So LeBron's in year 21. There was the, uh, Darvin Ham was talking about how Le they're going to limit LeBron to like 25 to 30 minutes, which I 1,000% agree with. He's in year 21. If there's anybody who should be resting, taking a little bit time out of games, it's it's LeBron James. If there's anybody who's earned that, it is the king himself uh, who's in year 21 and is going to put up, I believe, another fantastic statistical season and have the Lakers in a position to, to compete for the Western Conference. But the story is Anthony Davis. And I remember, oh, do I remember, just a couple of months ago, being lectured by Lakers fans and NBA media, some NBA fans that aren't Lakers fans. Oh, come on, Bryce, you're being too hard on AD. You had to extend him. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. He had a year left on this deal. He had another potential year after this to enter free agency in 2025. There's a strong possibility that LeBron James will not be a Laker after the season. I truly believe that, considering where Bronny may end up getting drafted. LeBron may leave after this year. LeBron may ask for a trade. And if Anthony Davis is the guy running your franchise, again, the only argument I could see, honest to God, for extending Anthony Davis, given his inconsistency, which we saw last night, was... Well, if LeBron leaves, it doesn't work as with AD as the one, we've got a heck of a trade piece, and we can go into a rebuild, which the Lakers are one of those organizations where they don't want to be in a rebuild too long because the standard there is championships. We understand that, and the you, you want to be the talk of Los Angeles, which they certainly are to, to, to this day right now. But again, Anthony Davis, I called him, I dubbed him during last year's playoffs. I said he is coin flip Davis. Like, what does that mean, Bryson? Well, it means... One night, he could be great. The other night, uh, the, the next, he could be terrible. Like, there's there's rarely an in-between on AD in terms of what he can give you uh, from a productivity standpoint. And he was he was coin flip Davis. He was all over the place. As a matter of fact, first half, score 17, gets Nicole Jokic. You'll take that. You'll take that any day of the week. The defense was fine against opening night. You're trying to work yourself back into it. There's nothing wrong with that. And in the second half, he scored as many points as I did, and I was sitting on my couch. 
It's time for us to, not for me, I've always known who AD was. AD is a tremendously talented player who's not top 10 and hasn't been for about three years. Hasn't been since that Lakers title run in 2020. Ever since he got the bag, he's paid less attention to his body. He hasn't had as much to prove. It feels like a little bit of a Jordan Poole syndrome. Not quite as severe as Jordan. And certainly AD is a significantly better player than Jordan Poole. I don't want to assert that they're in the same class. No question about that. But it's sort of, okay, got the bag, got another bag, got a ring before that, before both of those both of those uh, lucrative paydays. I'm good. I cannot imagine being LeBron James and and being in a situation where like I'm in year 21. I'm still really good. I'm still a top 5 player in all of basketball. And I can and I can, I would much rather be the ninth or 10th best player in the league and have this guy run the show because he has the talent to run the show on his best nights he can run the show and he just doesn't have simply put it really just is kind of this simple at times he does not have the mentality not asking for him to be Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or one of these guys who just these these dogged attack you at all costs type of players, but man, just doesn't look engaged. Again, physically, we know his concerns are physically. Again, knock on wood for him, but he's going to deal with some injuries this year. Uh, this is why the Lakers should not have paid them this offseason. And who Anthony Davis is? I was thinking about this yesterday. I think he's Josh Allen. He's the Josh Allen of the NBA. Now, Josh Allen's a top 10 quarterback. Anthony Davis is not, objectively, not a top 10 player in the NBA. There are absolutely 10, maybe even 11 players that today I would take over him to build my franchise around. And even just in terms of who's the best players, both, both conversations, I believe that to be true. Josh Allen, I believe, is a top 10 quarterback. He's not top three. He's not. There are certain, there, Lamar Jackson, we've seen more consistency from him. We've seen a higher ceiling at times from Lamar Jackson. We've seen what Trevor Lawrence could do. I mean, he did literally just beat Josh Allen head-to-head and has been better than him over the last year. Uh, like that, that's Josh's ceiling is unbelievable. But it's up and down and up and down. He's awesome. He's throwing five picks. It, maybe not five picks, three picks, making bad decisions. Anthony Davis is not a decision-making thing because he's not a point guard, but it's a he's not engaged thing. And this is why I said that as good as this Lakers roster is, and again, I do believe them still to be a title contender because when LeBron's on, which he usually is, and on the the nights every other night, coin flip Davis, again, coin flip Davis, when he's on, oh, he's, he's almost unstoppable. Again, that is except when he's playing a historically great big man like Nikola Jokic, who we saw what Jokic did to him last year in the Western Conference Finals. After game one, he ate AD's lunch. And that's the kind of player he is. It's time Lakers fans, it's time NBA fans. And frankly, I think it's time for the Lakers. And they made the mistake of paying him this offseason. Again, th- there was no rush. And you see what the Warriors are doing with Klay Thompson. Klay is not as good as Anthony Davis. That goes without saying, and I love Klay. But the Warriors are playing this Klay Thompson situation, I think, perfectly. Where they're saying, we'd love to keep you. You've been a part of the core for a long time. You are still a very productive player in this league. But a couple of years ago, you come out the injury. We'll give you a grace period there. You helped us win another championship. Last year, you had your moments. You led the league in three-pointers, but you started the season terrible. You ended the season terrible, and you're simply not the same player that you used to be pre-injuries, which sucks for Clay. but that's the reality. We're going to wait. And by the way, Clay has one year left in his deal. AD essentially had two. And the Lakers panicked and extended him. Why? Because it's overwhelmingly since the late great Dr. Jerry Buss passed, Kind of a topsy-turvy front office, and that's being very kind. This feels like, to me, and I was watching that game last night, and not just not even just with Anthony Davis and his struggles with the second half. I'm sitting back and thinking, 
my God, LeBron James is in year 21, and it's, he, his teams, didn't we remember this back in his days in Cleveland and even at the end in Miami where LeBron would be on the floor, they'd be controlling the game, playing well, he'd go to the bench, they'd absolutely crumble. It's like, oh my God, the Lakers are doing this too. Now it's one game. It is one game in October. And I, again, this is why I'm here. And, oh, the Lakers, they can't continue. Yes, they can. They're absolutely one of the three best teams in the Western Conference. I still think they're better than Phoenix. I'm sorry. I still think they're better than Phoenix, better coach, better better roster. Or not better coach, better roster, uh, overall better depth. And I trust LeBron, frankly, more than Kevin Durant in playoff games. I'm not going to overreact to one game in that regard, but at least last night, albeit potentially playing the best team in the league, Bron goes to the bench and everything goes downhill from there. In a game they lost by 12, he had the best plus minus on the Lakers of plus seven. He's still very good. Matter of fact, he's still incredibly good. Great even. His co-star, great on some nights and absolutely awful on others. That is what we'll do the Los Angeles Lakers in this season. Got some comments here. Uh, Parnell, my man Parnell uh, from the Commander's Demand podcast. Shout out to him. A very frustrated Commander's fan. I can only imagine. Not to bring that up, Parnell. I love you, man. He says, horrible second half by AD. Jokic showed why he's the best and Dem- why Denver can repeat. No question about it. Uh, again, he's... he's Jokic, I think, is is great. More And this is part of, I think, today, again, this is why it emphasizes as strongly as possible, best best player in the league is a is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of situation. Uh, and that's what Jokic has provided. And I, again, I cannot remember, honest to God, I can't remember the last game where Jokic was terrible. I mean, just that a bad night. And it happens, man. Steph has bad nights. Giannis has bad nights. LeBron, KD, and B, they all have bad nights. Luka has bad nights. I cannot remember Jokic's last terrible game. Off game, that's one thing. He had one off game in the finals. I think it was game four. He dealt with foul trouble. Terrible game. I can't remember the last time that happened. He, he, he's fantastic. Barry Grant Jr. hosts the All Even Podcast. Big Lakers fan. He says, AD makes me want to quit watching hoops. It's incredible. It's extremely depressing to watch him. I can imagine. I can imagine. I wish I still had the the coin flip Davis. Like, um, There it is. I was, I was looking for it. There's the coin flip Davis. That's who Anthony Davis is. Great one night. Terrible the next, and there really is no is, is no in between. He's the I've said before, he's the only player in the NBA where you cannot judge him off of his season averages. You know, if Anthony Davis averages 23, 24, and 11, that's because that's kind of it's like the median, uh, so to speak, of, of averages. Like his 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 ceiling and his great nights are 35 and 15. And his bad nights are like last night, uh 17 and 8, which eight isn't terrible, but again. <laughs> LeBron and Austin Reeves, certainly Austin Reeves, what are we talking about? Should not have as many rebounds as Anthony Davis. Austin Reeves. And I like Austin Reeves. I do. I think he's, I think he's a pretty good th- third star to have. On that. I don't, I'm not going to go as far to call him a star yet. Third player to have, a good complimentary piece to have in that Lakers team. Austin Reeves, how tall is Austin Reeves? 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, Let's see what, what, what ESPN has him. 6'5". He should not be out rebounding 6'10", you know, 6'11", in shoes, and most likely Anthony Davis. That's... Can't happen. He's the Josh Allen of the NBA. Of the yeah, Josh Allen of the NBA. Never know which guy you're going to get on a night-to-night basis, and I simply cannot put him amongst the ten best players in the league for that very reason. Lakers shouldn't have extended him. Lakers should have let this play out. By the way, it's not like Anthony Davis is getting any younger. How old is AD? AD is thirty years old. He's he just he turned thirty this past March. He'll be thirty-one at some point this season. You know, when's, name the last athlete that was a that was a an injury prone guy, and then all of a sudden, once he got to thirty two, thirty three, now he's healthy. 
I mean, unless you're playing significantly less games, which they're not going to do that with Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's bad. But listen, the, the, the Lakers play the Suns. Tomorrow night in the big game on TNT, finally we get LeBron versus Durant. Uh, as long as KD doesn't doesn't uh, twist his ankle, God forbid, knock on wood in warm-ups the way he did that game last year when it was going to be a Suns debut against the Thunder. And he, he like, as, as my guy Barry said, he tripped on air. Um, hopefully that didn't happen. We'll get LeBron versus KD finally for the first time in a half decade, which is hard to believe. But uh, I could see Anthony Davis against Yusuf Nurkic. who played well last night, by the way. About to get into my Warriors in just a second. I could see Anthony Davis going for 30 and 12. And the Lakers winning the game. And then the next night, I don't know who the Lakers play after that. He's up and down, up and down. He'll even string together good stretches of basketball. Three, four weeks. And at three, four weeks, you're like, who's this guy? Man, this, this guy's committing highway robbery in the Lakers right now. And the fact that his salary and Giannis's are in the same category. Whew. Wow. That's yeah, not great. Not great. I mean, I heard more outrage about Jalen Brown getting paid. And Jalen Brown got the bag. He got the bag. Probably more than I would have loved to give him if I were a Celtics uh, fan or, 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 or front office executive. You know what I'm getting most nights from Jalen Brown? AD's better, but I know what I'm getting from Jalen Brown. Unbelievable. Let's move on, though, to the second game. Again, hats off to the NBA for picking a for putting together a great opening night schedule between the, the four best teams uh, in the Western Conference, although I, I still kind of like Sacramento a little bit more than Phoenix, uh, but that's neither here nor there. But let's talk about this game, though. Suns-Warriors, so the Suns beat my Warriors last night by a final score of 108-104. to Both teams missing a key player. Suns missing Bradley Beal. Warriors missing Draymond Green. Both look to be back relatively soon uh, from injury. So for Phoenix, then I'll transition to, to my Warriors. So listen, for Phoenix, Devin Booker put together a, a, a classic Devin Booker-type game, dropped 32 on very efficient shooting. Uh, had it, By the way, at eight assists, which I thought was impressive, uh, six rebounds. Went through a little cold stretch. I mean, you can objectively say Booker was the best player on the floor last night. Uh, there, was, there was about a third-quarter stretch where he got a little cold, missed some open shots. But overall, he made all the clutch plays down the stretch, whether it was playmaking, whether it was was taking big shots and making them. Uh, you could tell if there was I, – I would say this game even more so than the Lakers-Nuggets game. This featured two teams, and you're watching, you're like, man, you can tell it's opening night. Like, the both teams are unbelievably rusty, uh, just missing wide-open looks, missing defensive assignments. Uh, it, it, it was a... It was a very entertaining game. It wasn't exactly the most beautiful game at times, uh, but ultimately the Suns came out with the WKD's return to Golden State finally for the first time with fans. Uh, fans, as I knew they would, because Dub Nation is awesome, uh, gave me a, a great ovation. He acknowledged and gave the fan a Dub Nation a shout out after the game. So it was, it was very cool. He shared a moment with Kerr mid game. So I thought it was nice. It was like it brought back good memories with with KD and Golden State. KD struggled uh, for most of the night. Only seven for twenty two. Only took two three pointers, but did have eleven rebounds. Was relatively active on the defensive end, and obviously as I just mentioned on the glass. So good win for Phoenix again. I still don't buy them as one of the three best teams in the West. Have it since before the season. I need to see it to believe it. For Golden State though, I gotta admit to y'all, honest to God. I'm sitting back and watch that game. And even when it's over, I'm like, doggone, I wish we'd have won that one. I woke up this morning. Sometimes you need to, to sleep it up. Because, you see, listen, when your team loses, you don't feel the best. You go to bed. I woke up this morning. I feel so much better about my Warriors before I did even coming into the season. I'm not going to lie to y'all. So, first of all, can we just get this? Can we just get the, the elephant in the room out of the way? Is Chris Paul, who, by the way, did not shoot well at all. Had Again, no, really no Warriors shot well outside of Moses Moody. Uh, but Chris Paul, 4 for 15, 0 for 6 from three-point range, scored 14 points on 15 shots. That's you know not great from an efficiency standpoint. <laughs> he fits seamlessly. 
He, I mean, again, that run in the third quarter, which the Warriors put together, that patented third quarter run, we've known them to be so so grateful for such a long time. Chris Paul, I mean, Steph was in foul trouble the entire second half. I mean, it missed a big chunk of the fourth quarter. I feel like the game kind of turned around at that point when Steph was off the floor. Chris Paul, Chris, not Steph. Chris Paul led the Warriors to a quarter in which they outscored Phoenix 40-19. to 19. Chris Paul was active uh, on the glass, was good defensively. Again, missed shots. That That's going to be, you know, Chris Paul put it in perspective after the game. He said, I, I once was played for a team where we missed 27 straight three-pointers. He's obviously referring to the Houston Rockets doing that in, in that game seven against Golden State. Uh, the irony of him being a warrior now still feels a little weird. Uh, but I thought Chris Paul, aside from shooting the basketball, I think Chris Paul was excellent. Chris Paul is getting other guys involved. And again, the thing for the Warriors, what has always been, even at the peak of the dynasty, even in the KD years, and they, they were unbeatable. The one bugaboo, the one thing, they were, they were great offensively, great defensively, well coached, the whole bit, talented, great shooting. The whole the thing for Golden State was, yeah, they turned the ball over too much. You know, they'd have games here and there where it'd be like, God, they, they have 20 turnovers. They're playing really careless. Steph's playing careless, and Draymond's throwing bad passes. Just, just sometimes looks discombobulated, and they go on these, these talented run, these runs, you know, just based off of talent. But Chris Paul steps in, and Steve Kerr kind of alluded to this during and after the game. Chris Paul comes in. Golden State turned the ball over 11 times, which is low for them. For the record, their turnovers ticked up in the fourth quarter. Going into the fourth quarter, I think they only had six. Whereas Phoenix, who does have a point guard, guys, Devin Booker is not a point guard. He's capable of being a playmaker, a playmaking sort of a, a hybrid guard to a certain degree. still really a true two-guard. Devin Booker's not a point guard. Golden State has Steph, who's a, a point guard, but tr- Chris Paul, who's the most true blue point guard you could possibly imagine. He fits seamlessly. Got his other guys involved. He, If things weren't going right for Golden State, he said, let me just let's bring this back out, slow it down a little bit, let's get a good shot. By the way, I think Golden State got a lot of good shots. They just missed a bunch of them. Warriors only shot, what was it, 23% from three-point range. Uh, that's not going to happen throughout the course of the regular season when you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Andrew Wiggins was probably the worst warrior on the floor last night, and that hurts me to say because I love Wiggs. Uh, but 10 points on 12 shots. He actually got benched in favor of Jonathan Kaminga, uh, who was active on the offensive glass late in the game. But I'm watching Golden State, and I'm saying, okay, Steph shot poorly. He's Steph Curry. Of course, he'll bounce back. Uh, Clay, you know... Hit some tough shots, but missed the open one. So Clay was a little all, all over the place all night. I'm still skeptical about whether or not he'll be a part of the Warriors' future long term. Uh, but you got no Draymond Green to command the defense, and they the defense was still pretty good last night through stretches. So I'm watching Golden State. Them the ball's moving as as we typically are, are used to it being the case. Uh, Chris Paul fits seamlessly. Steph's making plays here and there is exposing big man. Uh, it was broke Eubanks' ankles that one time. It was beautiful. That drive to the basket with the right hand. Uh, I'm watching my Warriors last night. I'm sitting back and saying, okay, we're we're actually better than I thought we were. I'm not saying we're necessarily going to surpass the 51 wins that I have for us before the season. But uh, once Draymond Green comes back and there's word that he potentially may be back as soon as Friday's game against the Sacramento Kings. Oh, <laughs> I feel great. By the way, one of the great things about what Golden State is doing is the fact that they've some of this through the, through the draft, some of this through trades last year, some of it through, through free agency and trades this year. My gosh, they're deep. 
I mean, you have guys like Dario Sarge, who had a rough game, really struggling, uh, you know, under the rim. That's always been kind of a bugaboo of his. So that's something they're just going to have to deal with. Jonathan Kaminga, I thought, played well last night. Moses Moody gave a great spark off the bench. Gary Payton being active on the defensive end. Uh, like, you you have some guys who, Corey Joseph wasn't great. I, I don't know if Corey Joseph is going to be a part of this, this team's future this season, but that's neither here nor there. But again, you have good, you have defensive specialists, you have shooters, and again, the whole well, they don't have size. Well, Phoenix bullied them on the boards. Phoenix dominated Golden State uh, on the offensive glass and then on the boards in total. Uh, again, this is this is something I've said about Golden State since the title run in 2022, where I remember going into a bunch of those series, particularly against the the Memphis Grizzlies, and then in the finals against the Boston Celtics. Well, Boston or Memphis is just bigger than Golden State. Well, just because you're bigger does not mean you can't you you you're necessarily going to to lose the 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 battle on the backboards. I mean, Andrew Wiggins had one rebound last night. This is a guy who, in the finals of just just a year and a half ago, and Andrew Wiggins is is right in the prime of his career. This is a guy who was grabbing 13, 14, 15 rebounds a game. Some of it's just pursuing the glass. Some of this is using your quickness to your advantage uh, and getting a good positioning. Obviously, a coach could detail that much better than I could. But some of that is just is is, is just fundamentals by Golden State. They'll fix that because they're well coached. Uh, there's plenty of games in the playoffs the last couple of years where they play bigger teams and still won the rebound battle. You know, so Looney's going to be able to do that. Sarge can be able to do that. Wiggins, Gary Payton's actually a good rebounder for his size. So is Steph. So that's going to be something for Golden State that they correct. Obviously, Draymond is is, is is an excellent rebounder for his size as well. So, yeah, I, I the Golden State's going to be fine. I mean, I heard Charles Barkley, and I love Chuck. Chuck's the man. Chuck, love Charles Barkley. Everybody does. Who doesn't? But Chuck said after the, or a halftime, I think, he said, the Warriors are the, are the 14th best team in, in California. That's my best Chuck impression. Uh, with all due respect, Chuck, that's on, on your list of bad takes. That's that that that's down there, buddy. That is we're splitting hairs with Lakers Warriors. So we can we can argue one way or the other who's better. I'd absolutely favor the Warriors uh, because I don't trust Anthony Davis whatsoever. But if you want to take the Lakers, I, I respect that. They did, after all, beat Golden State last year. So I respect that. Uh, Sacramento literally lost to Golden State last year when the Warriors had a fractured locker room and Sacramento had home court advantage and still lost two home games. So I'm going to roll with the Warriors and the Clippers. Don't we kind of make fun of the Clippers? The fact that their top two stars can't stay healthy to save their lives. I mean, the Clippers, when's the last time they've been in two years ago, they made it to the Western conference finals year after that, they missed the playoffs this year due to injuries. Couldn't win a, a more than one playoff game. You say the Clippers better than Golden State? Please, come on, man. That's a bad take. That's that, that's just that is just a listen. Chuck has hated the Warriors for a long time. I don't know if it's because they got more rings than he does, and Draymond's obviously going to be part of inside the NBA whenever he retires. I don't know what it is, but Chuck's got something against Golden State because Lord have mercy. But listen, solid win for the Phoenix Suns. Hats off to him. Uh, we'll see what they look like when Beal gets in there. I, I think a, a big advantage for Phoenix was the fact that that Beal didn't play, so they didn't have to necessarily work out that chemistry against a good Golden State defense where Booker and KD, they're very comfortable playing with each other. They did so for a few months, the last few months of the season last year, so they kind of know what he, where, where each other's at from a from a fit perspective with the both of them. So Phoenix is, Phoenix is going to be very good. They're very talented, and I think they're going to lose in the first round because I simply don't trust uh, their lack of having a point guard. I do not trust whatsoever their top three stars, and even Nurkic included, uh, to stay healthy. So again, not a lot went Golden State way. Golden State's way last night. They only really have themselves to blame, and they lost the game by four points. And it was in doubt with thirty seconds left. So not gonna overreact to this one. Not not gonna overreact to this one whatsoever. Looking forward to Friday though. Looking forward to Friday. Warriors Kings. Given how that playoff series played out last year, that's gonna be a good series. 
Uh, that or a good series, good game on Friday in front of the Sacramento crowd. By the way, before we move on to the NFL, before we move on to to Brock Purdy and the 49ers against Minnesota, good slate of games tonight in the NBA. So obviously this is the opening week of the season and the play in I'm sorry, the in-season tournament is really being promoted heavily by Adam Silver in the NBA. But ESPN's got two good games tonight. Celtics, Knicks. I actually think the Celtics and Knicks are going to meet in the second round. I, as I said yesterday, I'm predicting the Celtics to to win the Eastern Conference slightly over Milwaukee. But I think this, the Knicks today are the third best team in the East. I really do. I think they're better than Cleveland. I think they're better than Philadelphia, Miami. I, I think the Knicks are absolutely number three in the Eastern Conference. And I said that I think they'd face Boston in, in the in the semifinals, and Boston would win in a hard fought seven game series. I love Jalen Brunson. They're well coached. They've got good depth. Uh, the report yesterday that said that they offered Philadelphia a package of like R.J. Barrett, Julius Rand, I mean it, Mitchell Robinson. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hey, don't don't do that. If you want to go after Embiid, you know, wait a little bit until he's eventually hits free agency. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but go after him then, because then at, at that point it'll be Brunson and Embiid and a bunch of nothing, and you'll be a first or second round exit at best. So that's not that's not the winning formula for the for the Knicks. Don't get desperate, New York. Okay. You got something good going. You're building a good culture. Don't get desperate. And then the second game, which cannot wait for this one. Mavericks Spurs at 930 Eastern ESPN. Dallas, by the way, is a four-point road favorite. Victor Wimbanyama makes his NBA debut. The greatest prospect we have ever seen since LeBron James 20 years ago. Again, I do not think he is going to be as good as LeBron James. Have the career of LeBron James. Because if he does that, then he'll be in the GOAT discussion. I do not think Wimby will be in the GOAT discussion. Again, I, I'm I'm leaning that way. Again, that's to to say again. It, that's a big statement. I'm seeing a lot of people. Oh, Wimby's going to be a, a one of the five best players ever. That's a lot to put on a kid to start his career. However, I do think by see by by his career end, and that's hard to project. That could be ten years from now, fifteen, twenty years from now, given the health and nutrition that we have today and how well players take care of their bodies. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I do think Wimby is going to be in that. Scu- He's certainly going to be a Hall of Famer. That goes without saying. If he stays healthy, knock on wood, Wimby's a Hall of Famer. That's kind of the bare minimum for him, given his upside. Uh, Dallas is not very good defensively, so I think Wimby's going to. Uh, I think Wimby's going to have have his way tonight. I'm going to say Wimby drops twenty seven, grabs twelve boards, and gets three blocks. That's what I think is going to happen. Twenty seven, eleven, and three blocks. I think Wimby's going to put on a show tonight. I think Wimby's going to be spectacular. I cannot wait to watch that game at 9.30 Eastern. In San Antonio, by the way, so the Spurs fans are going to get to see their guy for the first time at home. Uh, and again, like I said, since the draft process four months ago, I said it, it's it's kind of like, I don't believe in basketball gods, but it, it, it's, it, it feels almost meant to be that the best international scouting team in the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs, who've, who they scouted Tony Parker, Amani Ginobili, and all these players, even non-star players, good role players who have helped them win championships in the past. It feels like almost like a reward that the one of the greatest prospects in the history of the draft, who happens to be from France, from overseas, that the Spurs get him. The Spurs are a stable organization. They're going to take care of Wimby there, develop them, develop him into the best version of what he can possibly be. Uh, I think Wimby's going to be outstanding tonight. I, I do. I think it's going to be very similar. Again, not saying he's going to be LeBron in terms of his career, but Remember that first game LeBron played back in 03 at Sacramento? And by games in, you're like, oh, God, this guy's going to take over the league soon. Uh, this, this dude is, I mean, he was the best player on the court that night. Day one, 
But that, that, that's, that's what it's capable of being. I think we're going to be having similar discussions about Wimby where on all these debate shows tomorrow is Victor Wimbanyama a top 10 player in the NBA already. Obviously, after one game, that'll be a bit too premature, but you'll have how, there'll be discussions like that tomorrow uh, on, on First Take and, and all these shows, all these morning and afternoon shows uh, on television and, and, and on radio as well. So this I'm, I cannot wait to watch this game tonight. Uh, I, but I will I'll take you know what, I'll take the Spurs to win. I'll take that. I don't think the Spurs are playing. I'll take the Spurs to win. Don't like Dallas at all this season. Not making the playoffs. Two straight years. Okay. We're in late October. Uh, I had to react to the first couple of NBA games. Now let's transition. Let's transition to the National Football League where the the overreaction to Brock Purdy's struggles is just, it just keeps going and going. And I am absolutely here for it. Uh, as a Brock Purdy defender, supporter, and the guy who literally nicknamed him Sturdy Purdy. So the Vikings beat the 49ers Monday night, 22-17. to uh, Kirk Cousins had one of the best games of his career, I thought, given the fact that he struggled on Monday night football, given the fact there's no Justin Jefferson, given the fact that he's facing that vaunted 49ers defense that literally no quarterback has played well against this season, and frankly, the vast majority of last season. I mean, th- this is a... I got playmakers everywhere. You say, well, Bryce, they scored 22 points. First of all, that's pretty good against the Snyder's defense. And second of all, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, had a QBR of 80 and a pass rating of 107. Uh, he was now, he got a little bit lucky in the deep ball to Jordan Addison. Understand that. Uh, Jordan Addison, by the way, he had a great game. Seven catches for a buck thir- uh, 23 and two touchdowns. Really taking that number one receiver spot to, in Justin Jefferson's absence. So building his confidence so that when J.J. gets back, now you got two, really two number one receivers if Addison, who was a first-round pick out of USC, continues to develop in, in a very positive way. So I love where they're – I really like where the Vikings are at today. I did pick them as a playoff team before the season, and I kind of, to be completely honest with you, kind of sold my stock on them a little bit after that early, star, uh, early start, the rub start. I said, okay, the defense hasn't shown a ton of improvement since uh, you know since last season despite adding Brian Flores. But what I loved about what Minnesota's defense is doing – is Brian Flores is a guy coming from the Belichick system. Brian Flores loves to blitz and was blitzing like crazy through the first three, th- three or four games of the season. He's pulled back and he's blitzing about in something like 46%, something in that ballpark uh, of the time. Understanding the fact that Daniil Hunter is still an elite pass rusher. Uh, will the Vikings trade him? That remains to be seen. It doesn't look like they'll be the sellers that they we thought they might have been at the deadline. Minnesota's sitting there at three and four. They've got the Packers this week at Lambeau, but Green Bay, we understand the struggles they're having, particularly involving Jordan Love. So I'm kind of leaning Minnesota to win that game. Kirk Cousins has, has historically played very well against the Green Bay Packers. So Minnesota's in a good spot uh, in terms of playoff contention. Championship contention, no. I'm not going to let one, again, the rule on carving up live is don't overreact to one game one way or the other. Uh, base. I, again, I base my opinions off of a the a line of evidence um, over obviously what's happened most recently, but also what, what we've seen in the long term from, from these teams as well. I, I have a hard time seeing a team quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins with all due respect to the guy because I, I think he's a very good quarterback. I don't see them in any way contending for a Super Bowl. I, I didn't like, even though Minnesota won that game, I did not like Kevin O'Connell's very conservative coaching throughout. It felt like once Minnesota built that that solid lead, it felt like at that point, because they, they got down to the red zone, got to the one-yard line, and they were kicking field goals. I mean, it was it felt like Kevin O'Connell, who I think is a very good coach, it felt like Kevin O'Connell was kind of playing not to lose or coaching not to lose rather than to win. But it worked out when it was all said and done. Brian Flores called a great game, and the Vikings won. 
as for the San Francisco 49ers and as for, for Brock Purdy, who had his back to back to back uh, rough outings, Brock Purdy stat line, uh, 272 yards passing, 70% completion, which is good. Only one touchdown and two picks. The second one really bad. QBR 63, pass rating of 81. So he was certainly below his standard, at least the standard they set in his first uh, first 10 regular season starts up to this point. But again, I say today what I said last week. <sighs> Can we take, can we exhale a little bit, relax a little bit? First of all, and I'm not going to blame the the reaction to Brock Purdy's uh, down outing, the reaction all these shows yesterday. I'm not going to be brutal on, on the people who's criticizing him because we found out today, just today, that Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol and is probably not going to start on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's going to be Sam Darnold. So for Brock Purdy, it was I guess at some point in the game, he had to have been playing with a concussion, so... He's battling that. Uh, again, he's battling the fact that, again, this is a Brian Flores coach defense that has clearly gotten it right in the second half of this season, or the, to, at the end of the first half of the season. Brian Flores, one of the better defensive coaches in the NFL. Uh, again, this this sort of teaches teaches me the lesson. I think teaches us all the lesson that don't, don't have too strong of an opinion about a, a particular unit with a new coach until we see it for about a half season for, in this case, the Vikings, the first seven games of the year. Minnesota's defense looks good. The pass rush is good, uh, just rushing four against a good San Francisco O-line. But let me ask you this question. And this is, this is why this is where it gets me long, uh, gets me right now on, on Brock Purdy uh, on this week's edition. I, I meant to say carving up the context. I, for some reason, I put it in the description that it was uh, for the Warriors. Uh, I meant to actually say that the carving up the context uh, this week's edition rather was about Brock Purdy. So time for carving up the context. Here we go. The context to this game is the fact that Brock Purdy is dealing with a loss at left tackle in Trent Williams, a loss in Debo Samuel. And I, listen, Debo, we forget, missed some time last year. And the Niners offense was kind of, it sputtered at times, at times. And Debo didn't have the season that he thought he would have uh, in 2022. But the Debo is still a very valuable member to that 49ers offense. And you say, oh, Bryce, you're making excuses for Purdy. Okay, let's take the Mahomeses and the Burroughs, and the Lawrence, the, the, I mean, top of the top of the top of the league. Let's put those guys aside. If we think about who's in Brock Purdy's category as a quarterback, if we think about Jared Goff, if we think about somebody like a, uh, or like a Kirk Cousins, again, who played it very well on Monday night. If guys like that are missing, you know, one of the greatest left tackles of all time, it gets an excellent pass rush missing their number one receiver and number one gadget guy to a certain degree uh, in Debo Samuel on the road. Wouldn't we, wouldn't we give them a little bit of grace? Sure, criticize them for not playing well, yes. But some context, again, does need to be provided. And this notion that, see, his numbers are very similar to what Jimmy Garoppolo was uh, when he was in San Francisco. Again, context matters, folks. Numbers certainly do not lie. They do not lie, but they don't always provide the proper context that needs to be provided to them. By every analytic possible, by every bit of film you could possibly watch on Brock Purdy, can you not see the fact that Kyle Shanahan trusts him significantly more than he trusted Jimmy Garoppolo to take shots down the field? Again, that's a, throwing picks is going to happen when you take shots. It's 
that's, by the way, that's what drove me crazy about Derek Carr on Thursday night. Like, dude, stop dinking and dunking. As, as talented as Alvin Kamara is, he should not have 12 catches. He should not have double-digit catches. Those should be going to, to Michael Thomas, Chris Olave when he's not getting in trouble off of the field. Guys like that, get the ball to those playmakers. Stop taking just these little dink and dunk. That's not going to win you 20 football games at the highest level if you want to go anywhere in this league. Brock Purdy understands, and Kyle Shanahan understands, that he's got a guy who can hit the accurate balls down the field. We've seen him do it time and time again. We saw him do it against that vaunted Cowboys defense. We saw him do it against the New York Giants, whose defense has kind of found its way to a certain degree. Saw him do it against them. Saw him do it against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who, I mean, teams struggle to break 20 against them. Brock Purdy said, I, I, I'm going to cut you. I, I'm going I'm to do you one better. Scored 30 on this defense. On a defense that had TJ Watt, a defense that had Minka Fitzpatrick, and Alex Highsmith, all these playmakers for my Steelers, it didn't matter for, for Brock Purdy. He was still making the throws in and outside the pocket. He missed some throws. The, 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 it's, it's the weirdest. I think people really struggle with this, this idea that Mr. Irrelevant, which Brock Purdy being the last pick in the 2022 NFL draft, that he can somehow be good to really good to quarterback for a Super Bowl contending and potentially, who knows, Super Bowl winning team. I think that's it's something we struggle with. Not we, but people at the time struggle with with Brady. Like, guys, pick 199. Like, he shouldn't be this good. It's It has to be the system. It has to be Belichick. Anywhere, it, it would, obviously, that, that narrative really quieted down throughout the course of Brady's career. But you even heard when Brady left New England and went to Tampa Bay, you heard, okay, yeah, now Tom's going to get exposed as a system quarterback and Belichick's going to flourish. And, of course, any smart football person knew at that time. And if it was found out pretty quickly that that was not the case at all. Matter of fact, it was vice versa, that it was Tom who was, who was carrying Belichick all this time. I'm not in any way implying that it's Brock carrying Shanahan because Shanahan, I think, is one of the three or four best offensive minds in the sport, probably top three, along with Andy Reid, Sean McVay's in that discussion as well. Like that, he's he's in that class. He is a fantastic coach. But we struggle with this idea that a late round pick. For the record, I think it's why we still. If a guy is struggling and he was a top five pick, top 10 pick, I mean, the excuse train for guys like Carson Wentz just kept going on and on. It's like, guys, he's missing. He's missing why he's missing easy reads. He's throwing interceptions. We're like, bro, bro what, what were you trying to do there? Again, Brock Purdy's last pick at the end. Guys, there's under uh, under a minute left. They're trying to go down the field. No timeouts win the game. Those happen. Yes, Brock Purdy did not play amazing. You're not going to every start. And by the way, Sam Darnold, who I think is a very good backup. See how he looks against the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's see, because again, I think he's a good backup. Uh, but uh, we've seen quarterbacks the Kyle Shanahan system, bonafide backups, really struggle with Shanahan, with Kittle, with all these playmakers. Ayuk, Debo. Like this kind of context, this kind of this kind of stuff matters. So this let's see what's the line for this game because they've okay it's San Francisco minus three and a half. Uh, so they have it as about a. A field goal game, and the Niners are the home team, so they think it's these teams are pretty evenly matched with no Brock. Pur excuse me, with no Brock Purdy. Let's see how well Sam Darnold plays. Okay, like, like can we can we can we do that? It's, it's just this. It's weird criticism, and by the way, it's a little bit of a flip flopping of uh, assessment and evaluation of Brock Purdy's play. Where first five games, oh my guy's an MVP candidate, which even I, as a sturdy Purdy guy, never went that far.
like, okay, he's not the most valuable player in the league. I mean, I love Purdy. Love him. He's not the most valuable player in the league. And But then it's now the last couple of weeks, oh, he can't play. Oh, the, 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 this is the Snyder's team's carrying him. Come on. First of all, let's please stop being so dang reactionary on players. It's a two-game losing streak. There's no, I mean, there's no quarterback currently playing in this year, unless your name is Tyson Badgett of the Chicago Bears. Virtually every starting quarterback across the NFL has lost back-to-back starts and probably not played that well in, in, in those. I mean, I remember two, two years ago, Mahomes had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in the offensive line. He, he had like a month stretch. We're like, dang, where'd Patrick Mahomes go? Oh, Mahomes is a play and, and looking so hot. And Mahomes is certainly a a better quarterback than, than Brock Purdy. He's, he's has the potential to be one of the greatest ever. I think he's already the fourth best ever. But even the best have these stretches. We're like, okay, that's it's you got to work out the kinks a little bit. Brock's gonna be fine. Brock's gonna be in that position where he's gonna put the 49ers in position once he gets back healthy. Hopefully he does pretty soon coming off of this concussion, him being in concussion protocol right now. San Francisco will be fine. Let's not overreact to one off game. Or two off games, rather. I, I don't the, the coverage. The coverage of Brock Purdy is starting to remind me a little bit of the Dak Prescott coverage. I, I got to be honest with y'all. Uh, where it's, si- of course, the only difference in that is when Dak plays well, crickets. When he plays bad, everybody loses their minds. Brock, people go crazy when he plays well. People go crazy when he plays bad. So maybe maybe that's like a, a badge of honor. I'm not sure. But again, context has got to be provided to these, these rough outings. Brock, again, Brock, I've never said he was the level of quarterback where if everything goes wrong, if the fit hits the shan, so to speak, he can still carry you to a win. I said, let, let me let me put the graphic up real quick uh, because, again, I, context matters. Uh, it, it does in these discussions in terms of the tiers of quarterbacks and how we view them uh, in terms of how far they can take your teams. Uh, where is it? Where, where I said my blank check guys. Uh, in the NFL, blank check quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay, I'm loading the graphic right now. The eight best quarterbacks in the league in, in terms of I can trust them. I've seen them when stuff isn't going their way and they're missing players or their defenses are backing them up or their coaching isn't giving them a break necessarily or all the above at times. These, to me, are the eight quarterbacks in all of football that I'm like, I've seen them carry guys. That's why I call them blank check guys because I say whatever the quarterback market is, I'm I'm fine paying you with whatever paying you whatever you want. For the podcast audience, Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Hertz, Lamar, Dak, Herbert, Allen. Those eight. Brock's not, not, Brock is not in that discussion. But just because he's not does not make him a bum. I don't think Jared Goff's in that discussion. I love Jared Goff. I bought back into Jared Goff stock a year ago. So it, it's the coverage around this guy is odd at best. It's really weird. So for this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, man. Yeah, y- y'all, y'all gotta relax on the Brock Purdy stuff. Come on. Let's see how good they look with Sam Darnold. And by the way, I I was a big Sam. I thought Sam was the best quarterback in the 2018. Sorry, I thought Sam was the second best quarterback in the 2018 draft. I didn't have a show at the time, but I remember saying I think Josh Allen's gonna be the best uh, thus far. I think Lamar's been the best, but Josh has certainly validated where the Bills have drafted him. And I, but I thought Sam Darnold would be that second best guy, and that has obviously not panned out. He's on his third team. Uh, certainly is in the best situation. I was talking to a buddy of mine um, here at the grid, uh, Eric, who's the co-host of the Outside the, the Cage podcast. Please go check their stuff out in the grid. They just did a show last night. Did great, great stuff. It's an MMA show. Uh, do great stuff. But I was talking to Eric about this, and he had a take about uh, Sam Darnold a couple weeks ago on the 8 o'clock spot. And, uh, you know, saying like, hey, I, I think this guy can, 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 can succeed in this offense. Well, we'll see. A lot of quarterbacks are, are, are able to, to succeed in this offense, but... 
Doubt Sam's as good as Purdy. Especially, by the way, against that Bengals defense, which is underrated. Speaking of rankings, speaking of overrated, underrated, properly rated, listen, there's no better way to rank. There's no more accurate, objective list ranking teams in the NFL than Bryson's Best 10. So let's get the background music going on right now. Bryson's Best 10, here we go for this week. Week 8, Bryson's Best 10. And today, the 10th best team in the NFL is the Cincinnati Bengals, and here is why. So Cincinnati drops a spot from a week ago. That's because somebody else jumped them uh, uh, last week, or th this week, this past week. Cincinnati's the 10th best team in the NFL. Here's why. Obviously, they didn't play in week seven, but Joe Burrow is as healthy as he has ever been all season long. We saw that in the last couple of games going into the bye after that one and three start for Cincinnati. Played great against Arizona, albeit it is Arizona. Uh, played fine against Seattle. Looked more comfortable. Again, that's the big thing for Cincinnati. They cannot be a contender if Joe Burrow is not healthy and ready to go. He gets a full two weeks before the 49ers game, and that's going to be a tough test given his offensive line against that Niners defensive line. That could be a little bit of a matchup problem for Cincinnati, but he feels good. He, he said he, he's not, you're seeing him on the sideline. He's not limping around. They're going to get T. Higgins back soon healthy to help. I mean, Jamar Chase was getting a crap ton of the targets in Cincinnati, so you're getting T. Higgins there to draw a little bit of the attention away from Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon is, is still a factor in the backfield. I'm telling y'all, this defense, they got outgained by Seattle two weeks ago in that game in Cincinnati, but this is a defense that's capable of holding some of the better offenses in football to under 20 points a game. That's the best defense in the brief Joe Burrow era thus far. I love their pass rush, love their linebacking core, and frankly, the secondary's been better than I thought it'd be. So Cincinnati today, the 10th best team in the National Football League. Down a spot from last week down I'm sorry we're down th uh, four spots from last week the Miami Dolphins are the ninth best team in the National Football League and here's why so Miami is sort of in a spot where they're really good at playing their game. They're not great at playing yours. And that's, to me, what separates Miami from the upper echelon of the NFL. Your San Francisco's, your Kansas City's, your Baltimore's, your uh, the, the top, top team, top tier teams in the NFL. And Miami is still excellent. Don't just sell your Miami stock. Don't get rid of it. Tua is still having a fantastic season, as is Tyreek Hill, as is Jalen Waddell. Uh, again, listen, they, they needed that loss on Sunday night, I think, against uh, Philadelphia, where they just kind of got punched in the mouth on national television in front of the whole country. This is a team that's still capable of going toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, against any of the best offenses in the NFL that can go in, in the shootouts. They can play Big 12 football. Question is, can they play physical SEC Big 10 football? I think so. I like their offensive line. I really like Marheen Mostert. I think they have the personnel to do it. I think they have the coaching to do it with Mike McDaniel. The question is, can they put it all together? The defense is still a massive question for me, but the good news is they'll get uh, they'll, they'll get uh, Jalen Ramsey back soon, coming off of an injury, as well as Xavier Rhodes. So they'll be in a good spot. Uh, Xavier Rose, Xavier, uh, Xavier Howard, I'm sorry, not Xavier Rose, Xavier Howard will be coming back from injury as well, so I still like where Miami is right now. At number eight, my team back in Bryce's best 10, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the eighth best team in the National Football League, and here's why. So Pittsburgh was out of it for the last couple of weeks. I, I didn't even put them in, even though they were three and two and they beat Baltimore. Fact of the matter is that Kenny Pickett, I, I know people don't like Kenny Pickett. Oh my God, his numbers aren't Patrick Mahomes or aren't Lamar Jackson. But here's the thing about Kenny Pickett, and you got to realize this. And I've been saying this for a while. This I said it last year when they beat the Ravens on a game-winning drive. I said there's some limitations with Kenny. I get that. Man, this dude plays big in the fourth quarter. And that's the qualities of a guy who, if he hits his ceiling, 
can be a franchise quarterback, especially given the stable organization he's in now. You consider the fact that Pittsburgh last season, remember last season, they were 2-6. and six. We're thinking, oh, Tomlin's going to have his first losing season, rookie quarterback, rebuilding roster. And after they came out of the bye, they went, uh, sorry, 7, not 6, 7-2. and two. So they played great. The defense was playing great coming out of the bye week. Kenny Pickett got more comfortable. Uh, is Matt Canada, has he evolved a little bit? I don't think he's exactly going to be put in the same conversation as Ben Johnson in Detroit. But he relied on the run more. Uh, Jalen Warren got going. They got him the ball, and they got Kenny Pickett outside the pocket. Deontay Johnson back in this lineup, one of the better number two receivers in the NFL. And obviously, this defense is headlined by the best defensive player on planet Earth, TJ Watts, who added to his, his defensive player of the year campaign with an interception in the in the nickel corner slot, which is unbelievable. Linebacking course, great secondary, is playing their butts off this season. Uh, Mike Tomlin is one of the five best coaches in all of football. Love where my Steelers are at right now. Tough test against Jacksonville next week, uh, but great, great spot. Big time win over the Rams. The Steelers are the eighth best team in the NFL. So I follow my number eight team, my team, with my quarterback, my favorite quarterback. Number seven is the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, the seventh best team in the National Football League. Dallas down a spot uh, from last week simply because they got jumped by somebody else. Dallas is at number seven for this reason. So I picked this team to go to the Super Bowl before the season started. I still think they have a chance to do so in a very crowded NFC. But listen, you consider the fact that the Dak Prescott is having a very solid year. The turnovers, as I predicted, are down this season. He is still, again, the limitations for Dallas is their offensive line's fine. It could be better, but it's it's good enough. I think Tony Pollard coming off this bye will be better moving forward, coming off of the injury. Dak's, think about this, folks. Dak Prescott, 81% of his throws go to CeeDee Lamb. So Dallas, I think at this trade deadline, and Jerry's talked about they're not, they don't think they're going to be that active at the trade deadline. Well, they should be for a wide receiver, whether it's going out and getting a Hollywood Brown from Arizona, whether it's going out and getting like a Hunter Renfro from the Vegas Raiders. I'm hearing people suggest Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry. That's not going to put Dallas closer than a wide receiver would to contending for a Super Bowl. That said, I think I and everybody loves this defense. Micah Parsons, uh, again, a little inconsistent at times. When Micah's on, he's one of the two best defensive players in all the Ball, probably three. I'll put him behind Garrett, Miles Garrett, and obviously TJ Watt as well. I don't think the secondary is going to be in a bad spot. Deron Bland is slotted into that number two corner spot much better than I initially thought he would be. And Stephon Gilmore is still an elite number one corner in this league. Linebacking course, good enough. Pass rush is excellent. Uh, I have questions about the coaching, questions about the wide receivers. Other than that, I really like Dallas uh, and I trust Dak to, to lead this team to a deep playoff run. At number six, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars up a spot from last week. So Jacksonville right now, how about this second longest win? streak in the NFL. We're not talking about it, but Jacksonville has some impressive wins on their resume, right? They beat Buffalo, who everybody loves. Buffalo's the darling of the NFL every year. Well, they beat Buffalo in London. Their second straight game they had to play in London and still beat Buffalo uh, on a neutral site field in what was really a Bills home game. Beat New Orleans in one of the toughest places to play in the NFL in that Superdome. Trevor Lawrence is playing really good football right now on one leg on the road against an elite defense. Put up 31 points, uh, pass rating over 100, play spectacular. Uh, I really love Jacksonville's receiving core. Listen, I was, you know, a Jacksonville fan was was getting on me about, hey, give this defense more respect. We are dealing with injuries. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. 
This defense still is, is young. It's talented. It has some good pieces. Doug Peterson is still a tremendous head coach. Uh, again, this offense is capable, kind of similar to Miami. Not as good as Miami, but similar in the sense that I think they can go toe-to-toe with some of the best in the NFL. It's why I had Jacksonville in the, in the AFC Championship game this year. It's why I had Trevor Lawrence winning MVP this season, which I'm still not moving off of that because I think there's a chance once that knee gets healthy, he could go off this, this, this next uh, these next 10 weeks of the season. So love where Jacksonville's at, riding a four-game winning streak, uh, playing great football offensively, and kind of finding itself again a little bit defensively, but there's still plenty of upside there. Uh, I think Jacksonville has potential to be the biggest threat to Kansas City in the AFC with respect to teams like Baltimore and Miami. Uh, to the top five now. Uh, to the top five. Do we have uh, Do we have number five? Hang on. For some reason, number five is not in here. Okay, let's 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 pull it up. Sorry about this, folks, uh, because the graphics will sometimes just disappear uh, on me right now. There it is. Okay, at number five, pull them up right here. Do not sell your stock on the Detroit Lions, who I have as the fifth best team in all football. Detroit Lions are the fifth best team in the National Football League, and here is why. So, listen, they went on the road to Baltimore, got their Butts kicked throughout the <laughs> majority of that football game. Throughout really all the football game. Lamar Jackson against what's a great Detroit defense. Ran rough shot on this team. The, the Ravens defense held the, this great Lions offense. Only six points on the road. That said, don't sell your stock on Jared Goff. Don't sell your stock on Dan Campbell. This offensive line. Those weapons and that defense. They had a bad day at the office. Every team does. Every, every Basically every team outside of Kansas City. I wouldn't even call it a bad game because they lost the Detroit Lions. I mean, for, for real, like every Philadelphia's had a bad game against the New York Jets. San Francisco really has had two bad games. Dallas has had a bad game. Uh, Jacksonville's had a bad game. Like, it happens. You're going to have bad days at the office. It's a long NFL season. But this notion that, oh, the Lions, they Ravens exposed them as pretenders. No, they're not. They're absolutely a, a threat to make the NFC title game, which is where I believe they will get. They've got a big bounce-back opportunity on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders, who have a terrible defense. I mean, Las Vegas gave up 30 points. No, no disrespect, but to Tyson Badgett. You're telling me Jared Goff isn't going to eat that defense alive and Ben Johnson, the OC, isn't going to put together a game plan to eat that defense alive on Monday Night Football. Do not sell your Lions stock. They are the fifth best team in the National Football League. At number four, I'm not going to panic like everybody else. The San Francisco 49ers are the fourth best team in the National Football League, and here's why. It is still, I believe, the best roster in football. The defense actually hasn't been terrible over the last couple of weeks. Not great situationally, but that's something that can be that can be fixed. They're well-coached defensively uh, with, by, by Steve Wilkes. They'll be fine in that regard. Kyle Shanahan is still one of the elite offensive minds in football. They're going to be in a rough spot this week with no Brock Purdy against a very good Cincinnati Bengals defense coming off of a bye. The, uh, Debo Samuel is still injured, as is Trent Williams. But once, the, once those three guys get back healthy, this team could be any team in the NFL, sometimes even with this B-plus game. But they're talented enough to where they can do that, where Shanahan is, isn't great. Again, I'm not saying that the Niners are just the class of the NFL from a talent perspective, and then it's just everybody else. I think they're the best, uh, but it's relatively close. But that said, we got to stop overreacting to a, a, a bad Brock Purdy game, back, bad back-to-back starts for Brock Purdy. He's still one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the league, I believe. This defense is fantastic. Uh, had a little bit of a down day at the office against Kirk Cousins, who played excellent on Monday Night Football. Uh, but I've got the Niners in a good spot. I think they're the fourth best team in the National Football League. At number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, in the Eagles tonight, they're up five spots from last week. Again, that Jets loss was an ugly one. But I've got Philadelphia at number three, and here's why. So, look, th- this is a team, and I've said this since before the season. It's why they're one of the best teams. And today, today, the best team in the NFC uh, on Bryson's best 10 is that Philadelphia on both sides of the ball probably better than any team in all of football 
can flat out bully you up front. We saw with, with Lane Johnson back in the lineup offensively, Jalen Carter back in the lineup defensively, uh, imposing their will. Again, Miami was missing some offensive linemen, but Philadelphia, as they're prone to do, took advantage. Uh, the secondary's been better. By the way, they traded for Kevin Bynard, which I love that move by Howie Roseman for Philadelphia. The, safe, the back end of that defense is the weakness of the Philadelphia Eagles. They addressed it. The only thing keeping me from putting them at number two or even number one is the fact that Jalen Hurts really has a, the turnover bug right now. Just some bad reads, uh, being careless with the football. He's got, uh, I think, seven, eight interceptions through the first part of this season. He's capable of correcting that. He, he wasn't a turnover problem in the last couple of seasons. I think he could get that fixed when it's all said and done. Uh, but this Eagles roster is, to me, the second or third best roster in all football. Defense is excellent. They added Kevin Biner, which, again, is absolutely huge. Can't emphasize that enough. A.J. Brown is having a monster year. Defensive coordinator's got to stop acting like they can single cover this man and get away with it. Philadelphia is in a great spot right now. The best record in the NFC. To me, today, the best team in the NFC and the third best team in all football. At number two, it is the Baltimore Ravens. As much as this hurts me to say as a Steelers fan, I can't lie with what to, 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 to the audience with what my eyes have seen. I don't put them at number one. Obviously, you guys at this point know who number one is. The Baltimore right now, Lamar Jackson is at or, at or near the top of the MVP discussion. Once again, uh, had one of the best games of his career, a passer rating in the 150s against a top 10 defense in Detroit. Uh, four touchdowns in total. We know the threat he is with his legs. We have got to start re respecting Lamar Jackson and what he can do with his arm from the pocket, even making throws outside the pocket. Now he's got, got some actual NFL receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. He already had Mark Andrews. Yeah, no duh. Of course he's having the best year of his career thus far as a passer in, in, in this league. This Ravens defense, I thought it was going to be good coming into the season. It looks elite. Okay, you have Patrick Queen playing outstanding. Roquan Smith, uh, this Ravens secondary, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, they've been really good. They're well coached with John Harbaugh. Uh, going in, it's one thing to beat Detroit, who, as you saw, I think is the fifth best team in football. One thing to beat Detroit. It's another thing to completely humiliate them and make them look like they're the worst team in football. Uh, great teams are capable of doing that. Baltimore's tough to beat. Uh, at home, again, their only two losses this season both came. One came in overtime, and the other came because the receivers couldn't catch a pass. And Kenny Pickett, fourth quarter Kenny, uh, came up big in that game for my Steelers, but Baltimore's in a great spot uh, today. They're today they're the biggest threat to Kansas City. Uh, I, I, I said that they were a Super Bowl contender this offseason. Love this roster. I think it's top five in all of football, and Lamar is playing absolutely fantastic and out of his mind right now. Ravens are the second best team in the NFL, and that of course leads my original number one team coming into the season, the Kansas City Chiefs. And here is why: so Kansas City through the first seven games of the season. Right, they they they, they were the, the, this the, this defense has yet to give up over twenty points uh, this season. You say, well, Detroit scored twenty one again. Seven of those came off a Brian Branch pick six off Patrick Mahomes. So technically, the defense gave up fourteen points. Uh, the pass rush has been excellent. The secondary has been outstanding. Being able to do what they did against the Chargers in the second half of that game, making Justin Herbert look relatively pedestrian. Kellen Moore calling plays will will kind of help you in that regard. But again, that was a desperate desperation type of game for the Los Angeles Chargers coming off. Tough loss to Dallas. Uh, going on the road to Arrowhead, Justin Herbert tends to play well at Arrowhead. But this Chiefs offense, I said it last week, or the week before, when they won that ugly game against the Broncos, 19-8, wasn't aesthetically pleasing as some might like on the Thursday night at Arrowhead Stadium. But I said, folks, Kansas City is bored. 
Okay, these are the games. These Chargers games, these Bills games, Bengals games. These games against elite quarterbacks, these are the games they wake up for. This is the games Patrick Mahomes wakes up for. Travis Kelsey wakes up for every game that Taylor Swift's there, obviously. Uh, he's trying to trying to impress the, the you know the most famous woman on planet Earth right now, okay? So, so props to him. He played incredible, over 170 yards receiving against the Chargers on Sunday. This Chiefs offense has found its rhythm. But by, by the way, don't forget about Isaiah Pacheco, how well he can run the football, and this offensive line is amongst one of the best in the NFL. So the Kansas City Chiefs, to me today, are the best team in the National Football League. And that is Bryce's best 10 going into week eight. So look, I didn't have Buffalo. Let's see, two weeks ago, I had Buffalo at number 10 after the loss to Jacksonville. I'm like, yep, can't trust them. Can't trust them to win the big one. So they suffered injuries to their defense, and I don't trust Buffalo's uh, offensive line. And I think, too, the fact that uh, you know, last week they beat the the Giants and everybody's still at Buffalo, like kind of like eight, nine. I said, no, 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 no. There's certain wins. Every win's great in the NFL, but to against Tyrod Taylor at home to to barely survive, <laughs> to barely survive that game, and then and you got kind of an officiating break and a coaching break by Brian Dable on the other side, a, a bad clock management error. Um, you you you, you got to win by more than five points. I'm, I'm sorry. Come on now. I get this isn't the I get this is college football. This isn't the AP poll or the BCS poll or whatever it is. Come on. So I don't think Buffalo's in anybody's top ten today. They weren't in my top ten last week, so I'm being validated on them on them to a certain regard. By the way, Cleveland was my number ten last week. And you say, Bryson, why do you say Cleveland? Is it because you hate Cleveland? Well, I mean that fact. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't like Cleveland. Don't like Cleveland sports. Uh, Cleveland fans get on my nerves. There's some, ni there's some nice people in Cleveland. I got nothing against them personally, okay? They, they just get on my nerves. Uh, but the reason I dropped Cleveland and put Pittsburgh over them, first of all, Pittsburgh literally beat Cleveland. <laughs> you know, both teams are 4-2. and two. Pittsburgh has the, the tiebreaker, so we're second place in the AFC North. But the thing with the Browns is the 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 hallmark of that team, and, and again, again, every team has a bad day at the office. I understand that. But for Gardner Minshew to hang 38 points on you is... Uh, not great. It's not great, okay? Got to gotta be honest with yourselves, uh, Browns fans. You can get back in the top 10. Miles Garrett is an absolute one-man wrecking crew. This offensive line I still love, but I'm taking Pittsburgh today. I think the roster's better in Pittsburgh. There you go. By the way, uh, Celtics and Knicks are about to kick to, to tip off in just a second, so I'm going to try and get through this this final segment as quickly as I can to uh, to predict uh, tomorrow night's Thursday night matchup between um, between Kansas. I'm sorry, to, between Tampa Bay and and the Buffalo Bills, if I can pull up the graphic. There it is. Sorry, folks. For some reason, again, sometimes this, I, it's called StreamYard, the streaming app I use. Sometimes it'll like, if you put one graphic on there, it'll just randomly remove one. That's why I'll sometimes have to kind of sift through my files and search like, where's that graphic? I, I'm not sure why it does. I guess that, you know, they have a limit on how many you can put on there, but because this show uses so many graphics, you know, you gotta, gotta keep up with them. So I'm doing the best I can in that regard. So, Let's go and put the background music back on for our prediction. Week 8 starts tomorrow night in Orchard Park, New York. Between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3-3 three and three and the Buffalo Bills at 4-3. and three. So Buffalo in this game, big home favorite, minus 8.5 on Amazon Prime Video tomorrow night. So listen, both teams are coming off of, of, of a tough loss this week. Buffalo losing to Matt Jones and the Patriots. And Tampa Bay losing to Desmond Ritter and the Falcons. So... 
you know, it isn't like they got they were facing a murderer's row at the quarterback position uh, in their Week 7 matchup, but both teams looking for a win. Tampa Bay looking to keep pace with Atlanta at the top of the terrible NFC South division. As for Buffalo, they're trying to somehow keep pace uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Today, they do have a tiebreaker over Miami. They do play later this season, but trying to just get a get-right get right win. Obviously, Buffalo, I, I think, certainly has the better roster than Tampa, although I do like Tampa's defensive personnel and offensively. Uh, they obviously have Mike Evans. Uh, look, Baker Mayfield is questionable to play this game. Will it be Kyle Trask? Will it not? My guess is Baker probably goes. Uh, again, the, the deciding factor for me in this one is the fact that Buffalo, despite the injuries to their defensive line, Tampa Bay's offensive line is terrible. It is terrible. It was terrible last year with Brady. It's bad this year with Baker Mayfield. And I'm not even a Baker guy, but I, I can't be too hard on a guy who's kind of an immobile guy in the pocket to a certain extent. It's, it's okay in the pocket. He's not Mac Jones back there, but if he's comfortable enough, he can make the throws if given a clean pocket, as we saw all those years in, in Cleveland. Tampa Bay is not capable of doing that. I think Vaughn Miller's going to have a big-time game. Kind of his, his first big game since since uh, coming off of the injury. And the thing with Buffalo is I know it's minus 8.5. Seeing some people taking the Tampa Bay in the points, you take Buffalo. Buffalo, okay, because the fact of the matter is, Buffalo is that team. They're they're up and down, up and down. You know, we we should call them. You know, I call Anthony Davis Coin Flip Davis. We should call them the Coin Flip Buffalo Bills. Okay, maybe I have to come up with a better nickname for them, but we should call them the Coin Flip Buffalo Bills because of the simple fact that. You don't know what you're going to get from a week-to-week basis. It's 50-50. They can look like the best team in the league one week, hang 40 on you, and give up 15. Uh, and then the next week, they could lose to one of the worst quarterbacks in football, as they did on Sunday. Uh, Baker's certainly better than that. And again, I, I, my guess is Baker probably plays. But I'm going to roll with Buffalo Bills to for the, the, the coin to flip to heads, and therefore the Buffalo Bills to win relatively comfortably to cover and win 31-16. to I picked the Bills to cover three straight weeks. Uh, they've let me down the last two, so I guess third time's the charm, right? And again, I think Tampa Bay is kind of coming back down to earth to a certain degree, but I'll take the Buffalo Bills to win 31-16. to And then on Friday and throughout the rest of next week, oh, the Bills are back. Here we go. Watch out for Buffalo. Now, their schedule's still brutal. I, I, I did not buy the Bills before the season. I predicted them to, this, to miss the playoffs. I still think that with the loss to New England, I think that's very much in the cards. If they had a loss to the Giants, they'd have been in real trouble. But we can't play ifs. They, they, they beat the Giants. Should have beaten him handily, but they still beat him. And they lost on the road in Foxborough. By the way, Josh Allen is tended to play very well against, uh, tends to play very well against Belichick in the past. Was good in the final, uh, final two minutes of that game, the final five minutes of that game, rather. But uh, in terms of his complete performance, just a just a dud. But I think against this Tampa Bay defense, as good as it is, I think Josh Allen's going to ball out. Stephon Diggs going to ball out. And everybody's going to overreact in the Bills once again. Nevertheless, it'll be a it'll be an interesting game. All right, that is level time for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by February the 11th, which is Super Bowl 58, the day of Super Bowl 58. We're trying to get to 1K by that time. Uh, and with your help, I believe that we can do that. So if you have subscribed, thank you so much. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to the show. If you have it, again, just takes a couple seconds. That little, if you're on YouTube, that little subscribe button, trying to point my finger right, right there, right there in that area, right there. Hit that one. Subscribe. Be, become a part of the Carving It Up family. We'll be running four, we've been running four years strong over two and a half years on YouTube. So uh, definitely be sure to, to subscribe. No question about it. And go subscribe to the Grid Network. 
That is GRYD, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. We would certainly be delighted here at The Grid if we're a part of your, a part of your rotation. My guy Parnell had a great show the other day. He's, he's ran about the Commanders, rightfully so. Uh, he wants Ron Rivera out of there. Outside the cage, guys, did a great show last night. We did 8 o'clock spot last night. We returned after a one-week absence. Uh, uh, well, I won't spoil who won. Go check it out on the, on the Grid Network. 8 o'clock spot. It's the one, weekly game show every Tuesday night on the network. So definitely check. Uh, check uh, I, I host the show, moderate the show. We had some great contestants last night, Alfred, Mike, and Devin. So definitely be sure to tune into that last week and every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. See you on Friday. We got a World Series starts on Friday. React to Bills Buccaneers on Friday. It's gonna be a, it's a great week of sports. It's the best month of the sports calendar. Love October. NBA season is upon us. Warriors are in a better shape than I thought, despite the loss. Chris Paul fits perfectly. The Lakers have an Anthony Davis problem. And Victor Wimbyama tonight. Mark my words, folks, is going for 27. Uh, what would I say? 27, 11, and three blocks. No, you know what? No, let me update that. Victor Wimbanyama goes for 27 points, 13 rebounds, four blocks. Guarantee it. React to that game on Friday. See y'all then. Stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence here in America. Got to fix this problem. Great weekend of sports. Great, great, great week of sports in general. Great month of sports. I love October. See y'all on Friday. Got a loaded show. NFL picks. Cannot wait. See y'all then. God bless you all. Peace out. I'm telling you, don't sell your stock in Detroit. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.